Welcome to Women Artists Louisville Voices, a collaboration between the Speed Art Museum and DuPont Manual High School. My name is Shannon Carroll, Teaching and Engagement Manager at the Speed. As you explore this exhibition, you'll see a headphones icon next to each painting that is mentioned in this recording. Please feel free to press pause if you need more time to look. Now I'm going to turn it over to Cassidy and Parker to tell you more about this project. My name is Cassidy, and I'm a student at DuPont Manual High School. My name is Parker, also a student at DuPont Manual. And although we are two of only three student voices you will hear, many of our classmates worked in groups to conduct, record, and edit interviews for this project. We're excited to bring you some unique perspectives from Louisville women and girls in response to the exhibition, Women Artists in the Age of Impressionism, which is on view at the Speed Art Museum from February 17th to May 13th. Women Artists in the Age of Impressionism is organized by the American Federation of Arts and is coordinated by Erica Holmquist-Wall, Chief Curator at The Speed, whose voice you will get to hear a bit later. This exhibition features over 80 paintings by 37 women artists. You will hear personal responses to six of these paintings. The voices of women in 2018 still find close connections to these 19th century artworks. As you explore the exhibition, we hope that you'll think about your own personal responses and connections to the artworks as well. For our first interview, artist Vianne Sora was asked to select an artwork from the Art of Painting section at the exhibition. She chose In the Studio by Marie Baskerchief. My name is uh, Vianne Sora, and I'm an American Iraqi artist, so I was born in Baghdad in 1976, and I grew up among a generation of what's called war artists, because since I was born until the moment I left Iraq in 2006, there was a war. Uh, So a lot of my work influenced by that fact, and uh, a lot of my current work actually influenced by living in a post-war situation. And um, I use a lot of, uh, a lot of my early work is figurative, so um, I was affected by a lot of the Impressionist styles, and um, I did a lot of trips to France and Italy to study on my own without, um, you know, I'm, I'm a self-taught artist, so I always learned by observing. So this um, kind of subject of the exhibition at the Speed actually connect directly to my interest. So this piece specifically uh, spoke to me because the artist um, Marie Baskerchief is... Um, I consider her a phenomenal artist who was way more advanced in her age. She died, she died when she was 25 years old. So this work she completed, she was about early 20s, I believe. And um, I just thought like this was, uh, it was a style that you would not necessarily associate with a younger female artist at that time. So, um, it, and it drew me into how she painted this very perfect, uh, pristine setting in a studio. But if you look in the background of it, uh, there is some darkness. You could tell she knew she was, potentially she knew she was sick and gonna die at that point. And I was not sure if she intentionally was trying to refer to that by the use of the red um, draped cloth on the left side of the painting. And um, also I, you know, What I notice is that most of the paintings we see for uh, male artists from that time, you see kind of more of nudes in the studio, and you don't see as much female artists gather in one one space. And I don't know if that was very common at that time, but 
the way I'm looking at this work, I felt like she wanted to empower the group of women who were sharing that space and that time. I would actually encourage people to go and research about the artist. I think she's phenomenal. Uh, she was not only known for being an amazing artist, but she also was, um, she had a journal. She started writing when she was 13. Um, I feel like she had an intuition that she's not going to live for a long time. And, um, you know, I, I could see that in her work. I could, um, it's weird, like, the connection I have with her because unlike the knowledge that she she knew that she's going to die, I actually had a uh, car accident when I was 15 that kind of uh, halted my life for three years and, and I was walking on crutches and, and um, you know, always that feeling as a young person who get affected by a health issue, uh, you know, affect the art. So I could see that manifesting in her work and I would encourage people to go research more about her and understand more about why she painted the way she did. things that I deal with is trying to explain the world I came from and not look like an exotic alien that a lot of people who have no idea about uh, that part of the world read about Iraq through the media and there is a lot of kind of uh, ugly image sadly about my country and uh, what I I love to leave is uh, a lot of artwork that encourage uh, conversation, encourage knowledge, and also what I do on daily basis um, through any interaction that happened because of my work is a lot of education. And, and that in the end, we're all really people. We're very similar, and we we aim for similar things. So I don't want my work just to be, you know, an old painting left on a wall. Or I, I would love to raise a lot of conversation. Uh, because I feel like what happened in my country is a lot of disasters because of the lack of conversation and understanding and because of the fear of others. So um, that is a legacy I would love to leave, but I also love to leave a lot of artwork. Another artist, Denise Furnish, responds to Dans les Bleus by Amélie Bury Sorrel. Hi, I'm Denise Furnish. I'm a visual artist here in Louisville, and I, um, I make art out of antique, worn-out vintage textiles. And I paint them and make collages out of them. Um, I believe it's a, um, a pastel drawing by Amélie Boris Sorel, and uh, the name of it is Dans le Bleu. It was painted in 1894, and um, I had not heard of the artist before, um, but when I saw the image, I was just immediately drawn to it. Um, I just don't remember seeing any image in art history of... Um, of a woman with so much character, um, having such deep thoughts, and um, I, th 
think that drew me at first, and then also the fact that she's smoking a cigarette and drinking her coffee. Um, she could be sitting there by herself. The title, Dans le Bleu, makes me think of sadness. And it does look a bit melancholy, but um, to me it's pensive. Um, she's, she's thinking she might even be sitting across the table from someone. Um, that person might even be me, you know. Um, I'm, it reminds me of the days back when I was in art school. Well, the second time I was in art school in the 80s, and uh, I would be sitting around the kitchen table with my girlfriends, and some of them would be smoking cigarettes, and we'd be drinking coffee, and we'd be discussing um, politics and our children and the state of art and the exciting new ideas about um, discovering women's place in art and religion and science. And um, so to me, it represents all those things. Also, it's just sort of a classical uh, pose, the triangular uh, composition. It's so delicately done. Um, her body has, has weight. And I don't know, I think it's one of the strongest pieces I've seen in a long time. And I just, for a portrait of a woman, that was done at the turn of the 20th century, it's just pretty strong and amazing to me. I had majored in art back in the 60s in college, and there were no women in our uh, art history books. And uh, I got I graduated with an art degree and had sort of, no, I was sort of at sea didn't uh, have any idea of how to be an artist. And um, I read Judy Chicago's book, Through the Flower, and she had the same experience I did in art school. And um, it gave me the courage to go on, go back to school and pursue this. And uh, so I'd say she's been a big influence on me. The next voice you're going to hear... Um, actually, two voices. The next voices you're going to hear belong to Erica Holmquist-Wall, the chief curator at the Speed Art Museum, and her daughter, Suniva. They have a truly wonderful exchange on the artwork The Artist's Daughter, Julie, with her nanny by Berta Moriso. Okay, this is Erica Holmquist-Wall. And Suniva that loves horses. All right, you and I are going to have a conversation. Do you know what we're going to talk about? What? We're going to talk about some art. Is that okay? Okay. Can you tell us how old you are? I am seven years old. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see here. Let's introduce ourselves. So you're my daughter, right? yep And who am I to you? My mom. <laughs> that works at a work. <laughs> I work at a work? Yep. Where do I work? museum a museum yep all right well you know what i'm going to show you a painting this painting is pretty special i think because it's about you know, amazing it is amazing what makes it, this painting amazing because that looks like a sheepdog and those are a mom and a girl and then it's a rainy day and they're inside their house yeah well you know what's going on here so this is the artist's daughter. Her name is Julie. Oh. And that's her wife? 
No, that's that's um, that's Julie's nanny. Did you have a you? Do you remember you had a sasa when you were really little? Do you remember? No. No, you were t- you were just a little baby. Oh yeah, I do. Actually, I don't. Yeah, I do. I don't know. <laughs> kind of remember. Well, I do remember she held me in her arms. Dad, that's a nice memory. So this little girl has a nanny, and her mom decided to paint the picture of her daughter with her nanny. And what is her nanny doing? It looks like a sheepdog, but she's actually sewing. Do you see how she's looking very closely? Yeah. There's it her hand. I I thought it was, I thought they were getting the sheepdogs to dry off. <laughs> that does kind of look like it could be drying. They could be drying off a sheepdog. But actually what she's doing is, do you see, like, she's got some fabric. Here's her finger, the edge of her finger, holding the fabric. And look at, she's taking her other hand and stitching. Do you ever watch, do you know how you watch me do embroidery or do needlepoint? Yeah, I've done it with you before. I know. Do you think it's fun? Yeah. So look at, how old do you think that Julie is right here? I think she's five or six. She probably does look like she's five or six. Does she have a little pink necklace on? Yep. I think it's seashells. Oh, it could be seashells. I like that. And you're right. I think they are inside. Is this, this is a window looking out. Is that like rooftops in and the background? And rain right there. Is that, and some trees. Is that rain or is that a fence? I think it's rain. Like a fence? But Take a closer look. Those are the trees, and then that's rain. Or maybe they're by a jungle, and that's the fence. By a jungle? <laughs> That'd be pretty amazing. You know what? They're in Paris. This little girl, Julie, grew up in Paris. Probably about, oh my gosh, almost 100 years ago. That's a long time ago, isn't it? OMG. So they're in Paris. They're in the city of Paris. I did some reading about this. And when Julie's mom would paint and paint pictures, she brought out the colored pencils and the crayons for Julie to work with so she could work next to her. Just kind of like you and I do crafts, right? So let's look. So how how fast do you think she was using her brushwork? A thousand speed? Yep. What makes you think that she was painting very quickly? Because it's a big heap now. It's also kind of scribbly. Like a sheepdog. Her her fabric looks like a sheepdog, doesn't it? But look how fast she's painting to capture the scene. Do you think Julie's nanny is going to teach her how to do some embroidery? Do you think she's teaching her right now? Yes. So does looking at this picture make you want to do some crafts with me? Makes me want to do Legos. Makes with you. Oh, makes me want to do Legos together? Yeah, can we do it right now? For the section A Modern Landscape, Joyce Ogden responds to Evening by Marie Kazin. So, my name is Joyce Ogden, and I'm a visual artist. Um, I'm also uh, a teacher. I teach at the Kentucky College of Art and Design at Spalding University, and I'm also chair of art. So I chose Evening because I think it's a compelling image. Um, It resonated with me in a variety of different ways. Um, I think it's a mysterious image, so it's dark, but there's 
a sense of light, and I think the light is coming from the source of what I think is smoke, but I'm not really sure what that is. So I'm thinking it's smoke from a fire, but then my question is, is it an intentional fire? Is it an accidental fire? You know, is a building burning? You know, what's the source of that fire? So the, 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 that's mysterious, and then, but that's what's illuminating the scene and sort of showing us the city. And so, you know, it's just this sense of mystery of not really knowing what's going on. So that's one of the reasons I picked it. You know, my work um, is much about landscape and it's much about sight. So that, you know, and there's sky and there's land. Even in the top right-hand corner of the image, um, we just get a glimpse of some stars. So that's another little piece of information that it's a clear night, even though we mostly can't see the sky because of the fire and the light, but there's just a little hint that, in fact, it is a clear night. And so I live in southern Indiana, and um, so I'm kind of removed from the city, which this, this scene, it, it looks like it's being painted from a distance from the city. And so what she's seeing is the illumination of the light from the city and from the fire in the distance, which is affecting the, the stars. And so that made me think about um, the night sky when, when I look at it, when I look east from where I live toward Louisville, there's an illumination, very much like the illumination here. Um, so it made, it made me think about that. It also, this time of year, it's, we're heading into uh, winter and our days are getting shorter. So the notion of the night sky is much more present than it would have been maybe two or three months ago. So um, I think the image spoke to that as well. Um, I think it's, it's about landscape. You know, there's a sense of the earth and there's a sense of the sky and there's a sense of a moment in time or a passage in time. I mean, she's capturing a still moment. I guess in a way, I my work looks at time and seasonal time and calendar time, but in a sense, it's also still because I'm capturing still moments. So yeah, I just that that notion of admiring the landscape and a, a sense of place in a particular place that she clearly was enamored with. We're going to talk to English professor Dr. Annette Powell about the artwork she selected, The Tormented by Virginia Dimon Breton. My name is Annette Powell. I'm a professor at Bellman University uh, in the English department. I teach courses in rhetoric and writing, in Caribbean literature, gendered rhetorics, uh, and I always, always work on sort of incorporating art in whatever I teach. This one in particular was striking, I think, mostly because it was mostly all women and children. Um, it, it spoke to me a lot about notions of, of certainly loss and mourning, um, but also the sense of sort of togetherness. Sort of in the image itself, they, they seem to sort of all, even though they are sort of mourning and there is grief and there's a sense of loss, they all sort of to collapse together 
you know, there's this sense of sort of togetherness. Um, but also the landscape itself I found really interesting in a couple of ways. I mean, obviously, because it has um, these bodies lying there, that's, that's why obviously it's connected to sort of grief and loss. But even the sort of the landscape itself, sort of the ocean sort of off of the coast. And so it made me sort of think about sort of um, the importance of place and sort of about memories connected to it. And so when I'm looking at them, I'm sort of trying to imagine sort of what they are thinking about, who they're mourning, their sense of grief, but also the memories connected to that particular place, that particular space. Again, to be really honest as well, I tend to know more of the men. I'm much, I'm obviously not much more, but I'm also interested in sort of women in art. But what's really interesting, especially for this period, Impressionism, or the Impressionistic period, um, there weren't a lot of women who were sort of like foregrounded. So a lot of the Impressionism pieces that I was drawn to, a lot of them had lots of color. And what's interesting about, I mean, some of these pieces do have lots of color, um, but they also have like very sort of striking images. Whereas, I don't know, I think that when I think of Impressionism, I sort of think about a lot of landscape pieces for some reason. And even this particular piece, The Tormented, um, I mean, I think I'm sort of struck by the title itself, but also um, the fact that while they are all sort of like triangulated and collapsed together, sort of mourning and grieving and holding each other up, they also seem to be sort of looking out. And because you have sort of this landscape, you have the ocean, I don't know, I can't help but think maybe hope, maybe there is some hope. And, and even though the color, I think too, very different for me and some of the pieces that I had when I was sort of younger, um, or the posters that I had um, that were really colorful, this one isn't all that colorful, it's not that bright. But when I look out onto the, the ocean, there's like a glimmer of light, which looks like a glimmer of hope. That third student voice we mentioned earlier is our classmate, and she responded to The Passing Train by Marianne Stokes. Hi, uh, my name is Sophie Lai. I'm currently a senior at DuPont Manual High School. And today I'll be talking about a painting called The Passing Train, which is by Marion Stokes. And in fact, I've been looking at art history books my entire life. My childhood was essentially built around them, around these scattered copies of art through the ages and living with art and history of art. I read hundreds of pages on Impressionism and its associated artists, both in my art history class and for pleasure, and I always saw the same names over and over again. These Monets, the Renoirs, these Pizarros. But... Right now, The Passing Train, it's by someone who's not very famous, Marion Stokes, and I'd never even heard of her, read of her before today, before looking at the label by this painting. She was based in Britain, she documented Hungarian culture, she was very, very renowned in her time, and, and, and she won multiple competitions and awards in Munich, Chicago, worldwide. In her times, actually, she was one of the most accomplished female painters out there, but by now she's all but disappeared. And in this painting, The Passing Train, I mean, it shows someone she might have felt sympathy for, shared similarities with. I mean, look, we see a woman depicted in a very pre-Raphaelite manner that Stokes was so influenced by. The woman's red hair is uh, very similar to the extensively painting PRV model Elizabeth Siddles, and look at how she stares to what must be that train, very heavy-lidded, dreamy, very distant. 
Stokes mastered a range of styles of media across so many different genres, but in this painting especially, we see remarkable ability to capture the idea of hope, this idea of yearning. And this woman, she stands in this beautiful flower-covered field under soft sunlight. But from her brilliant red cape and her eyes, looking to the source of the smoke around her, I mean, we can see that she just wants to leave in the freedom that the train symbolizes from this field, from the farm, from the sticks that she's carrying, if only just for a moment. And Stokes' art actually brought together so many ideas in European art, both past and present. Stokes herself, I mean, despite her accomplishments, despite the influence that she had in bridging the, uh, the differences between PRB and Impressionism, and even more, despite the celebration in her time from her rewards, she's actually omitted from so many accounts of female artists today. And truly, truly I can't imagine why students like me aren't exposed really to the works of artists like her. Because I want to read about her powerful paintings, about her life, about what she overcame to be here, to be in the situation that she was, be so renowned as she was in her time. And really, there's so many artists like her from any era, whether they be Impressionists, Neoclassicists, Orphists, who surely deserve their place in our present art historical world, and we haven't given it to them yet. This concludes our audio narrative. We hope you enjoyed listening to it just as much as we did making it. We have so much gratitude for those that contributed their voices to this project, including Cassidy and Parker. Just so you know, all of the music that you've heard today is by local artists. We want to say thank you to Dane Waters and Sarah Louise Calloway and Jacob Duncan for giving us permission to use their music. We had so much fun working on this, and we just want to give a special thanks to the Speed Art Museum and Mr. A for giving us this opportunity, as well as Anna Alger for coordinating these interviews and Amber Thieneman for producing. Just a reminder, this exhibition is open February 17th through May 13th. Shout out to all our fellow classmates who conducted, recorded, and edited the interviews you listened to today. All right, I think we're going to try and rotate and list off these names and see how fast we can do it without messing up. So, Amulia Ankh, Matthew Denninger, Henry Escobar, Kate Fry, Sam Fry, Maddie Gimmersfelder, Reese Gunther, Allie Hansen, Kaylin Harris, Luke Hoskins, Claire Johnson, Lisa Linebauer, <laughs> Andrew Miners, <laughs> Parker Mendel, that's me, Sterling Patillo, Jenna Putt, Reagan Resert, Wesley Reynolds, Emily Riddle, Andrew Schaff, Joey Schuster, Bailey Stump, Madeline Townsend, Ellie Wheatley, Nicole White, my co-host Cassidy Witt, Michael Zernheld. Boom. Please tell your friends. <laughs> and thanks for... L- oh. Wait. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. And thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.